Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hello and welcome to Tales from the Whiskey Office, where we have a good chat with some great company over a wee dram. And I'm absolutely delighted today to welcome onto the show star of the stage and screen and recent returnee to River City. It's only Joyce Faulkner. How are you doing, Joyce? I'm not bad, Jerry. Fine to Thank see you. you this autumnal evening. Well, look, I, look I'm loving the mise-en-scene around the, the setup you've got there. You've got your Tales from the Whiskey Office glass, I trust? I have two. Oh, wow. Well, you can use both if you want. You can split it if you want. Well, but we can, we'll just be using the one today, I think. Okay, I was thinking I would maybe try some without water and some with a wee splash of water. You're a pro, aren't you? Do you know, see, when we first talked about doing this show, when I was talking with the guys from Solid Sounds, straight away when we suggested this Tales from the Whiskey Office show, they went, we've got the perfect guest. They said, you like, almost straight away, like, Joyce is, like, a big whiskey fan. She'd be perfect for the show. Is that, is that true? Do you, do you like your drinks? I am, but this is my first official tasting. Oh, exciting. Is, uh, with giving feedback. I have tasted many whiskies, but this is my first public one. Well, look, we're all just well-meaning amateurs, and that's absolutely fine, I think, in the world of whiskey. I'll tell you what, you know, we'll get into our chat in a wee second, but we might as well pour our dram. And what we have today is Abalua 12-year-old. Wanabalua, a space side. A that's absolutely correct. Um, so we're not expecting this to be very peaty. It's a 40%. You can probably pick it up for around £40, very reasonably priced. Not very peaty, obviously, with it being a space side. Let's see, straight out of the... Let's give it. Let's get right into the artifari stuff, Joyce. Let's give it a right good sniff. We kind of roll around the tails in the whiskey office glass. I am quite acquainted with this malt, actually. It's one I like very much. Really? Do, do Are you a fan more of the kind of space side rather than the kind of peatier? I'll be honest, jams? I am. I kind of take it. I like a bit of peat, but not uh-huh. too peaty. But I tend to go back to the space sides. See, I mean, like space sides are a great kind of introduction whiskey for people. But after you've kind of gone heavy peaty, people love to go back to a space side or a highland malt. This one in particular is not very peaty and supposed to be very, very smooth. Noses wise, I'm getting the kind of sherried kind of obviously it's been aged in an oak and sherry yeah. casks. And I'm very not smell. sweet. I yeah, I, I, yeah, like a kind of apple sweet tones. Look, I'm not, I'm not by no means an expert. That's just all I'm kind of, let's um, should we just, should we just drink it, James? Aye. Uh, Right. Oh, that's beautiful. That is super smooth. I mean, you get you get the sherry from the from the taste. You're getting the sherry 
straight away, but it's also a wee bit spicier than I was expecting for a for a space side. There's a wee bit of kind of wee bit of spice, wee bit of pepper there. I what do you think, think? I'm getting spicy honey. Oh, lovely. If there lovely is shit. such a thing, I'm getting a wee bit of honey in Heather because it it smells sweeter than it tastes, I would say. And I I didn't I didn't actually remember the, the wee spicy kick in this. Yeah, it's got a wee kick in it. I'm loving the um, Honey and Heather. That sounds like a Scottish pop duo that we just never had mm-hmm. yet. Honey and Heather. Honey and Heather. There and the is. taste, the finish in the well, like, I tell you what, you get more of the oak towards the end. It starts off, you feel that kind of sherry cast, and then towards the end, the more kind of solidness of like the oak kind of comes through. Well, let's just let's just sip it up and see how that kind of goes anyway. But you're, you're a fan of the Abelure 12? Mm-hmm. That actually was on special... A year or two, I, I think it might have been a couple of years ago. Oh, right, okay. I, I so remember. I was wondering why that's maybe that's why we're tasting it. If it was on special, then maybe that's why. <laughs> no, it was a couple of years back. I remember this was in special in a certain supermarket. Um, oh, fantastic. But the taste. Well, you, can, you can name drop the supermarket if you want. They might sponsor us. I think it was the co. I'm sure it was the co op. The co op, well, there you are. There you are. Who, you, you find good whiskey everywhere now. That's mm. the kind of part of the benefit. A nice, yeah, kind of nice for you to turn in flavour at the end there. I'm actually going to do something that I do quite a lot with whiskey. You're going to start dancing? Oh, I maybe. Yeah. <laughs> but I actually like. I partake of my whiskey never ice. I am never a, a dinner like ice and whiskey at yeah, all. Same but yeah. I tend to drink it in the home with warm water. With warm water, really? How, what's the reasoning for that? Because, look, I'm a big fan of, of a, bit, a wee bit of water in, in a dram. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you can definitely experience it from different, you know, different angles, depending on... Look, it doesn't suit every whiskey, in my opinion, but, like, it is just opinion. But I've not thought about warm water before. I do well. I mean, obviously, warm, a hot toddy. I don't yeah. know if I... Uh... You don't mean a hot toddy one. Do you mean just a wee bit, just not cold water, rather than no, just, just not like, room temperature? Cold. This, no, this is a wee bit warmer than room. I'm just going to uh, just kiss it. Look at this. Look at the skill handling. Fantastic. Um, that, was, that was an expert amount there. That was a pro uh, drop. Just a, a splash. Because, I mean, it's, it may be some whiskey connoisseurs would ping me for saying that. Do you know, I, I just don't think it really matters that way. I mean, look, I do use a wee pipette <laughs> to kind of open up the flavour. Just that one wee drop can make a difference. But, you know, you're right, just certain whiskies will take a wee bit more water to open up even further. As long as you enjoy it, that's the key thing. That, now, that really brings out the sweetness again, strangely, with the warm water in it. Yeah, there you are. See, that's where you get the kind of return, that return of the sherry. Mm. Kind of comes back. Mm. Joe, you know let's, let's leave it to settle. Let's leave it to settle. Let's enjoy that as we're kind of going through, because I want to talk about your return, obviously. I want to talk about your return to River City. Because a thirteen-year hiatus is quite the hiatus, really, isn't it? How did you how did you feel watching the show all those years, having spent such a a key time at the beginning of the show there? How did you feel watching it, and what was it like to return? It, well, it came it very much came out of the blue um, because I suppose I just had thought that uh, the expression that boat had left the harbour, ship had left the harbour. But right. um, and obviously, my 
ex-husband was killed off, one of my sisters died, the other one, I don't, so when you're not connected to anyone. Oh, you'd had a hell of a time. So, what was that? You'd had a hell of a time. I mean, oh, you really had. Oh, that's the, the bonkers thing about soap. <laughs> when, you actually, when I started to think about my previous life in soap land and you speak about everything you've been through, you just go, yeah. well, I mean, only in a soap. Obviously, some characters. Yeah. I mean, no, but I did take quite a roller coaster as, as Roisin. In, yeah, I mean, you make control of that as an actor. An I mean, you pick up your script and... Sometimes I'll give you a clue to what's happening with you, but uh, mind you, I suppose real life like that, is it? You know, yeah, yeah. No, but soap acting is there's a, an amazing grind uh, and stamina to soap acting. I, I did one episode of River City, and I was blown away by the amount of rewrites and all that. Like everyone was super lovely, like coming on set. Everyone was really nice, really welcoming. It was it was during your hiatus I was on and uh, everyone really great. But I couldn't believe the numbers of, you know, the colours that you go through for the rewrites. And then the colours, they ran out of colours, they went round again. And everyone said, oh, that's regular. Oh, that's, that happens all the time. It's, that's an on. It's so fast. And I mean, when I went back in, I read a couple uh, actors, Kath Howden and Gail Telfer-Stevens in, uh, in particular, really heavy, heavy storylines. And it yeah. kind of blew me away, just seeing how it was, the emotion was, and one take, if it's running late, there's pressure on. And ha having been back in the theatre, where one has to admit there's quite a lot of fanning about goes on at times. <laughs> Professional yeah. fanning about. <laughs> there can be, I mean, you've obviously got time to discuss and, 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 and rehearse things properly. But as, yeah. I mean, it is get up and do it. And, you know, you yeah. sometimes only get one shot. Uh, no pressure, eh? I know. Well, that kind of blows my mind. That kind of aspect of it and the, the time you've got to, I mean, the worst thing I've ever found, I don't know how you, how you feel with it, is actually changes, learning something and learning loads of stuff is absolutely fine. But then to have that change significantly on you, and I'm not just talking about a wee line change, a wee word change here, to really kind of deviate with where the character was going in that moment happens regularly to soap actors because you've got to think, you know, the writers have got to think about the longevity of those episodes and what's happening three episodes yeah. down. How do you find that when you suddenly get that, um, you know, that kind of jackknife turn? It's just, I think it's very much a different part of the brain that you're using uh, as opposed to when you're in the theatre. And with the learning as well, mm. I've noticed because, I mean, there's monologues and poems and stuff I learned when I was a kid and that I did in the theatre 20 years ago that I could recite off the top of my head. But I, I do think it's a different part of the brain in your because you're just... You're learning so fast, and it's almost like as soon as it's done, into the trash can, next lot. Because there's <laughs> space in your brain to learn the new stuff. Because it amazes me. I mean, folk mind lines that I said Aye. 20 years ago, and I have got absolutely no recollection of saying these one liners and punters. I'll go, Oh, do you remember the time you said? And you're like, um, <laughs> You don't like to disappoint them either, but... Uh, you know, there's something special about River City with that, isn't it? I mean, see, for me, I moved back up to Glasgow about 11 years ago now, 
And um, I had quite a few pals around Corey and stuff like that. And there's still there's not the same intensity around. I mean, obviously Corey's hugely you know popular around the country. I'm not saying that, but the intensity of maybe living in Manchester or whatever um, isn't the same as what I've seen from my pals and people that I've known in River City. The intensity, like it seems like everyone has seen it in the city, whereas you don't get that vibe uh, down south with other shows like that. Did you did you feel that kind of magnifying glass all of a sudden when you came on the show and, and has it changed? I mean, obviously you're just back on it again now, but do you feel like it might have changed? I would imagine there's maybe same intensity. Um, but I don't know what the situation is with viewership, but when I was in the original cast, it was such a massive thing. I mean, mm, I was mm. doing the first telly job in the high road. It's, I think it's about like Target in the high road. <laughs> so we're 50 we're all in it and my first wee bit was a nursing take the high road and then of course I think my high road had finished by the time there was a hiatus there before River City came along again so I think it was so exciting and you have done the tagger haven't you because I've heard when I've came up as well and joining the acting kind of scene up here there's like two types of actors there's those who have done a tagger and those who are in, <laughs> in the 80s have never done a tagger you know and uh, I that boat sailed for me. Just two wee bits on Target. One was a lassie uh, in a taxi office uh, it got, that got shot up. And the other was a lassie that had been a dodgy hypnotist and thought she could swim and jumped off a suspension bridge and it glide. Luckily, luckily, I had a stand-in to do that. It was a dodgy. <laughs> Brilliant. Oh, amazing. Anyway. I've got um, a friend of mine. I'm good friends with Liam McRae, who's on River City. Just uh-huh. now, and I know you've had a lot of, um, yeah, a lot of scenes with her. It's funny you say that, don't you? People are you look at people heavy storylines. You see the kind of cast members that have got heavy storylines for a bit, and the workload's crazy. And I know Leah particularly. She's been kind of waiting for that to come, and it's come now. I've heard. How have you enjoyed your scenes with Leah? Well, she's she's got really full-on heavy stuff at, at, yeah. at the moment as well. I mean, it can be a feast in, at a farm and you're, but you have to just adapt accordingly and your yeah. learning uh, accordingly and the rest of your life according to, what, to what's in the scripts, really. She mentioned to me something about packed lunches, something that you make a crack in packed lunch or something like that. Did you, do you know what the heck she's talking about there? That's a brune coming out in me, you see. <laughs> <laughs> Were you looking after her? I'm a feed. I'm a feeder. <laughs> she says when you brought in that pack lunch, she could regret. Oh. <laughs> it was at that moment that she needed it, you know, that kind oh, of way. She was, she was done in, and we'd had, we had had scenes rearranged that I felt that I was responsible for them being re- rearranged. So, um, oh. a wee packed lunch. She deserves a wee packed lunch after everything she's been through. Do you think that's something that kind of. It, I mean, I think the other hard thing that you're doing as well is not just theatre, but see Christmas shows in particular, like the amount of, to be on form like that all the time, sometimes not just the two shows. I'll be honest, I'm not a matinee person. <laughs> I just, because I, I'll give everything for a matinee and then later on, oh my God, then you can get so emotionally drained. But sometimes three shows and things like that, how do you find the energy for that? And is that where the kind of packed lunch kind of side of you comes from? You have to look after each other in that kind of environment. Is that, is that how you feel? Oh, I've got to look after each other. I mean, um, but you adapt accordingly. And I think the older I've got, 
the mere bless the realise that I am at the job that I do, because the majority of folk in life have got pretty, you know what I mean? Mm. You get tight to enjoy yourself. And mm. maybe the acting I've done, I've had a wonderful time. And although it can be a graft, obviously, knocking your, your uh, pan in, doing panto, as I'll be doing this year, uh, up in my back in my, uh, my home tune. Uh, of course. Much looking forward to it. Uh, that's what you're getting paid for. I mean, look at, I mean, look at some of the folk that have been working through this pandemic getting paid rubbish, you know, mm. for knocking mm. their pan ins for some really unpleasant work a lot of the time so I think we're very lucky well I certainly feel very lucky because I've done all that I mean I for I suppose I for the soap I had done all kinds of jobs right. um, I mean getting paid to wash, to wash folks backsides you know what I mean for buttons so yeah. when you get up and entertaining folk and getting paid for in a laugh a lot of the time Aye. Do you know what, it's funny, funny you say that. I've often, I was talking to a few people about this recently and there's so many jobs you do where you graft and then you finish grafting, you, you do your home life and then you go back to grafting. Whereas at least in kind of performance, things like that, you almost like, it's like it gets put up on the fridge for everyone to see. So your graft gets some appreciation, you know, to, to have that kind of part of it. How important is it for you to get that kind of feedback every so often? You mentioned people coming up remembering those one-liners and things like that. How important for that and how much of a boost does that give you? I think I'm better at it now. I'm very Aberdonian that way. And that uh, um I think early on in my career I was I wasn't very good at taking compliments and <laughs> that northeast thing, then I get swollen, he did and then I, you know, it just that way I was brought up very northeast. Um whereas now I just enjoy, I enjoy folk getting enjoyment entertaining them. I mean, I, I enjoy entertaining folk, but I suppose the accepting praise, I'm a bit better. Yeah, it's something that's, it's, yeah, it's an unusual thing to have to, to accept and what have you. Do you know, it's funny we mentioned earlier before, just you saying that reminded me when she was doing her one women show, she said in Aberdeen, there was a woman came up to her and was like, I love that, I love that, I love that. And she said, her husband would just stood next to her like a face of thunder and not saying anything. She went, normally I just wouldn't even say anything, but it just, she was so exhausted. She just went, and did you enjoy it? And he just, his face kind of opened up and he smiled. He went, oh, I, I had to stop myself from laughing a few times. <laughs> that's, that's very northeast. I, 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 everything to do is, what is the expression to, to stop me? I did everything to stop myself. <laughs> It's just obviously ingrained that way. It's, but look, people enjoy themselves in different ways, don't they? And while we're at it, we should have another wee return to this Abelure 12. Are you getting any kind of different, anything different from it? For me, I'm getting that more. It's, it's um, the sweetening now. I have had the, I have had the dread, dreaded C word um, a few weeks ago. I had the virus. And right. I have to say, no, I wasn't that ill with it, but I did. Yeah. It was losing my, my senses, you realise how much 50% a taste is definitely smell. Wow. Do you know, that's interesting. Maybe we should organise uh, whiskey tasting for people with COVID at the moment and just, because they'll need to describe one of, my, one of my friends lost all these taste buds 
for it as well. And he was panicking, like you were saying. So you actually do need to kind of develop that language to kind of well, help people can understand. It was the smell rather than the taste. Mm. I was self-isolating on my birthday. And oh, no. He had dropped off a 12-year-old friend, Fiddick. Right, nice. So I thought I'm self-isolating on my birthday. I deserve a, a, a rather sick one. So I and the next day, my smell and taste came back. Whiskey so, galore. All you scientists out there. <laughs> a very Trumpian uh, bit of advice there, I like it. Do you know what? I, you mentioned <laughs> non-science-based advice. That's Joycean. Joycean. <laughs> Joycean science. So, I mean, you, you mentioned you mentioned obviously there the the show coming up, and you're going back to His Majesty's uh, Theatre. That's a home for you as well, isn't it? Obviously, as you mentioned, not just you know going back geographically, but that building in itself is somewhere you've performed a lot. How are you feeling about going back to that show? Because it, it came kind of all of a sudden, didn't it? it wasn't particularly planned. No, uh, I wanted to be up in the northeast when my mum's eighty six, and when my filming a lot, um, I chose the. Uh, not to do Panto in Glasgow because I wanted to be with mum and it was kind of uh, by default I've ended up back at His Majesty's but I've been there before I've also worked yeah. by bar and I was a usherette at His Majesty's for many years yeah yeah in the teens and um the centenary in 2000 and, no 2002 I went right. back just before I got the soap actually and then I returned in 2006 for the centenary, because uh, 1906 His Majesty's Open. So, no, I had some brilliant laughs there as an usherette. We used to have some carry on, some telling. And did that, were you there because you were attracted to theatre or did being and working there actually expedite your route into performance? Which way around do you feel it worked? No, it was after I had been at drama college and I was a job and actress and I worked there. Right. Class. I just subsidised yeah. when I was in uh, acting. Because right. in them days, it was a lot easier to get a casual job. You could come and go for when you weren't doing theatre or telly. Aye, so it was RSMD you were at as well, wasn't it? Aye. Aye, I mean, I So, I mean, you, you must have known you were heading towards that route. Then obviously not easy to get into the academy so you must have known for how did you how, how did you first realize that that was the place for you to go and that was the, the route to take i didn't really it just came home huh? <laughs> I, I never really i mean i knew i wanted to perform i did my six years at school and then i, I did a course in edinburgh and then one of the tutors was like you must audition for rsmd and suddenly i was there and was like a fish out of water, I must say. Wow. And how much of your career do you think comes from doing that type of training? And how much is it from other routes? Do you feel it had much impact at all? No. Really? Wow. That's interesting. Because it's a, such a different... I, I love the theatre there when I've gone there. I, I, I never trained in my wife. Um, went to RSAMD and I love the theatre there. It's such a cool wee, like a small space. It feels so much bigger, you know? Sorry, I'm maybe undermining. I had good times there as well. But I do believe any of the art, particularly performing, you learn it by doing it and being, finding your way through yourself. Mm. Drama, drama, 
college works for a lot of folk. I found it difficult because I felt as though they were trying to strip away my identity and I suppose I became very defensive. And it wasn't a world I knew. The real serious theatre was not, I mean, I came, my dad was in a fish and my mom came from, you know, Crofton folk. But with a background I knew nothing about, I knew about performing and I did entertain. So it was quite an alien experience for me initially. Uh, and mm, I, 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 you, you, you just learn by doing, I think. Aye. Do you know, there was something I really wanted to ask you, Joyce, and like, <clears throat> I kind of also didn't want to ask you about it because, um, and it, about accent, right? And because I just imagine all the time people will just ask you about it because we don't have um, such the variety of accents in Scottish television outside Glasgow. And, and we were all aware of this. We talked about it all the time. Uh-huh. However, I just thought it'd be really interesting because I do come from Glasgow, but I moved around a lot. And when I moved back here, it was almost the first thing that people sort of say to you that it's almost like they can't listen to you without pointing at your mouth and just going, where are you, Faye? <laughs> it's like they need that information before we can have any conversation. Did, did you find that? And how did you find that in TV? Well, it is such a double-edged sword. See, it's not like when it comes to things, because you'll get folk, if you leave and you are uh, slightly anglified or if you change your voice, like folk that go across the pond and become slightly transatlantic, they will get slagged. Yet, in my case, I suppose I conscious, it was because I am a great lover of the Scots language and I write in Scots and I very much, uh, I'd like to think I'm a, an ambassador in one way or other, I've done a lot of work. Of course. Yeah. Keeping the language alive. And um, then, of course, when I went on telly and quite deliberately, you know, said I want to use my own voice, my own mm. tongue, mm. folk, it just was like, that is terrible. Nobody talks like that. I mean, that is just awful. And folk in Aberdeen mortified. Uh-huh. Well, I mean, in amongst all the folks that love it, there's a lot yeah. of folks that are just like, that is unbearable. So it's, te- it's so you can't win, really. <laughs> <laughs> do, do you feel like in some ways, sometimes just when anything stands out, people feel the need to comment on it? They're not sure themselves whether they like that or they don't like that. They just feel like they need to comment on it and need some input from other people. I, I think that is, that is human nature. You know, it. I mean, I get called a sheep quite a lot, but I do think the human race are sheep, you know, and the world that we live in now, when, you know, uh, it's all about diversity and other, you know, us human beings, we're scared of anything that's different, but Mm. I know, I do think, you know, it's just ingrained in the the human psyche, we're stuck animals, I suppose, and anything that, they're, they're slightly unsure. Or, and then, again, in Scotland, there is that cringe thing as well. Of uh, course, uh-huh. they have, you know, we, uh, we want to be so culturally proud, but then it was almost like I was too Scottish. Oh, no, no. You know what? Yeah. There's a lot. I mean, look, culture, there's obviously a lot going on in Scotland as well. There's 
nationalism, unionism, and all these things are underneath the surface when people have opinions. You know, you think someone's got an issue with an accent, but it's not. It's like, you know, there's there's other things bubbling under the surface. And what's portrayed on TV then becomes really interesting. I, I feel can often become kind of smoothed out. And it's interesting that it was such a big thing having you speaking with your, your accent. Because uh, I'll, I'll be honest, when I was on River City, I changed my accent. I was me a lot, and I, was, I never talked like that. And I, I don't know, I, I didn't make a conscious choice. I just started doing that. And I don't I wasn't intended to be untrue to myself. I thought it was true to the character. And then, you know, I see yourself and your performance being completely... Did you change yours? Surely in some ways you must have felt you had to be understood because being understood is so important. You have to... I mean, I... The scripts, not so much now, but when I was in it originally, we were all written in English, and I adapt, I would tweak it into me in, mm. uh, in dialect as I do now. Obviously, mm. you kind of do that all the time, because, for instance, like a word like weak, uh, I would say wick, that last wick, this wick, can sometimes just, you know, it depends where it lies and the turn of the phrase that you might go, that is just maybe not, right. you know, accessible enough. But, I mean, you think of the diversity of accents that are our sport like. Yeah. Very, you know, very... Now it's different, but, I mean, 30, 40 years ago, you would have never heard of Broad Dundee, Shetland... Mm. You know, Perthshire, you think, you know, you go 10, 15 mile in Scotland and the, the accent can change dramatically. Yeah. Maybe not so much now, because I do feel language has been very much homogenised. I mm. listen to Burns at home, and that's hard to do with technology, obviously, because mm. everything is not. Rather than, <laughs> and I get me started on that. But, you know, <laughs> I mean, I'm in my early 50s, my heel storytelling skills for me, came from my grannies and folk class. It was very much the oral tradition, which is just dying so fast. And that mm. does concern me. Do you think there's, is there any ways that we can in, encourage that to be there? Do you, do you feel there's other kind of cast members and stuff you've worked with that are maybe not speaking with their true voice? I'm not talk, particularly talking about people you're working with now, but have you ever kind of felt that there's other people that maybe there was no need, when you talk to them off set, behind the scenes, and then when you see they do a kind of thing up front, do you feel there's other people kind of, we're, we're reaching this middle ground where we're all just agreeing to, to speak like this, and that's actually kind of a twisting of reality? I think so. Things that have moved on within television, though, for, 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 for the better, you, you are hearing... Yeah. Oh, some of the time, I mean, I, th I think particularly in the soap, you hear a lot more... Uh, you know, as in voices you would hear in the, the street compared to... Right. Maybe what you would have heard in Scotland a few decades ago. Yeah, I don't know. Uh... See, sometimes when you're just like walking about the streets, sometimes people say the weirdest things and the weirdest accents. You just think, I often think, that wouldn't work in a script, mate. <laughs> like, your actual path wouldn't work <laughs> in, a, in a TV show. And yet it's the truth. I know, I know. I know. That's why you, 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 and I think there is still that tendency in Scotland when you hear really broad accents that you would hear on the, on the street. Or is someone 
slightly comical about it because we're still in the, it, it's never been normalised in Scotland. Aye. The Aye. tongue has never been normalised. If you think the broads, cows, the monk, the common mm. accents down south, the nobody bats an eyelid, but it, I think it's yeah. better than it was, but there is still that, mm. But yeah. that yeah. article as well, at the end of the it is really because um, the, the the whole concept of Queen's English, King's English, you know, that was in the, B the beginning of the BBC, that's taken a long time to, you know. Move on a wee bit. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> totally. Do you know I mean, so for you going back to, to River City then, I think people will be delighted to hear. People do, I think like hearing different accents and stuff now and it's great to have um, you back on River City but what else are you hoping to achieve in your career then now you, you said there'd been that that hiatus you kind of felt in terms of River City the ship had sailed but here you are this opportunity returns again is there other things that you now would like to achieve in your career as well or or what do you have planned at the moment and what would you like to kind of see yourself progressing into being more disciplined with my writing um huh. I've been very lucky, I think, certainly on the stage. I've done so, I've done all kinds of performing. I mean, I've compared at the concert hall, I've played every woman in Berlin prison, I've done Highland tours, I've done pantomime, you know. So, in that regard, I've done a lot, but I would like, I, I can write, and I, if I was a bit more disciplined, I'd like, uh, well, there's no excuse for that. I just need to be more disciplined. And uh, I've got a lot of things and ideas. And I've Is there something you've not started writing that you really want to write? Something that's been there for a long time? Is there, is there an idea that's been burrowing? No, I've got a couple that have started, but I've not finished. Right. <laughs> Starting's easy, isn't it? <laughs> I think I'll line out a mastermind and maybe started so I'll finish. Okay, well, I hope you do get the chance to finish it. And look, I'll let you finish the whiskey here as well. It's been lovely chatting with Joyce. Really appreciate it. Have a wee kind of finish, wee slange. Thank you for joining us, everyone, on Tales from the Whiskey Office, uh, mixed by Matt Ramsey, and it's a Solace Sounds Productions recorded in my whiskey office, slange and hasty back. Thank you very much, Joyce. All the best. Yeah, maybe you'll. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. 
They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.